Drive podcast, where we explore mental health through the lens of professional sports and athletes. My name is Jonathan Busfield. I'm joined here by my co-host, as always, John Kuna. Today, we're going to be discussing pro sports and salary. So this actually, this topic, you know, it's come up a few times in the last few years, and mm-hmm. I've always found it really fascinating. And recently, I think there was someone on, I forget, it was maybe someone on, on my Facebook uh, universe that, that mentioned something about the WNBA and... Um, the salary of I think Sue Bird, one of the top WNBA players, and had a comparison kind of graphic to LeBron James, and and it and it got me thinking because there was a lot of polarizing comments on there, and people are very entrenched on this discussion. Yep, you know about whether that's reflective of discrimination, uh, or whether it's reflective of something else, or whether they should be paid the same, or that kind of thing. And I think this it's a very fascinating topic to me. It's very nuanced. I don't think it's, you know, one size fits all across the board between sports and players and things like that, which we're going to get into. I think the most common example is um, U.S. soccer, um, men's U.S. soccer team and women's U.S. soccer team. And a few years ago, you know, the women's U.S. soccer team really excels and just crushes the competition. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of like the opposite of the, men's, of the men's team, right? The men's team really struggles and doesn't do a whole lot. Um, Pretty on big disappointment. Stage, right? Yeah. yeah. And... You know, I'm not exactly – you might know more about why that is, uh, which we can get into in a little bit because I know, you know, maybe in the U.S., um, you know, less has been invested in soccer development amongst players when compared to, like, other sports and things like that. But that clearly doesn't affect the women because the women are, are uh, you know, excelling at a whole other level, and they usually uh, they usually win the World Cup, correct? And, mm-hmm. like, they're the, they're the best, mm-hmm. uh, you know, globally. So, you know, the, what came up is that they were being paid less by the U.S. than – um, than the men's team from, for the U.S., despite the fact that they win everything and the U.S. men's team wins absolutely nothing for the most part. Yep. Um, and, you know, led to a very polarizing dialogue, you know, with, uh, on social media and between different people who thought different things. Um, and I think that's the, the main example. So maybe we'll kind of start with that. Um, the more recent um, update is that the U.S. Soccer Federation did take a major step uh, requiring equal, equal pay for both teams, which I think is great. Um, but I'll start with you in terms of what your thoughts are on that specific realm of things in terms of uh, men's soccer and women's soccer in the U.S., uh, the national teams, and what that means. Yeah, there's obviously a pretty big discrepancy, right? The U.S. women's national team wins everything there, and that that's not a new phenomenon. They've been doing that for decades, um, always been the top um, there. Brazil, Canada, a few other teams have sort of always been um, – sort of at the top, Mexico as well, always been at the top for female um, soccer, but the U.S. has traditionally always won. Um, and then the U.S. men's national team, there's been pockets here and there. We had like the Donovan era where he mm-hmm. was like, you know, Donovan was the Donovan, guy. Yeah. yeah, yeah, he was the guy. And then we had was Clint it, was that, Dempsey. after Lallis, right? Yeah, after yeah, Lallis. Yeah. And then we had Clint Dempsey. And yeah. then we had, you know, we've had, a, you know, Howard and Nett. We've had like some guys – um, but it's always been sort of like singular pockets and we haven't really had like a team of significant talent um, until recently. Mm-hmm. We, you know, now it's be- the new frustration with, with men's uh, men's national team is we have plenty of guys who are playing in top, top mm-hmm. teams. Christian Pulisic is probably one of the best yep. players that the U.S. has ever produced. Yep. Um, and he plays for a, a premier team, um, Chelsea, and he's very successful there. Um, Reyna on Barcelona. I mean, we have like, there's a lot of players now who are playing on top teams and getting like significant minutes. So it's not a talent thing anymore. Um, but when they come together, there's just no cohesion and they just are, in my opinion, a, a pretty significant disappointment. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think things are shifting potentially. Um, but 
I'm not I'm not entirely optimistic, uh, and I'm a pretty optimistic person in terms of men's national team. Um, I think some of the things that are deterrents for them being super successful, I think U.S. soccer is not the number one sport. If you go to Europe, South South America, really anywhere else in the world, soccer is like the number one sport. So in terms of recruiting top talent, it's easier for you know training programs or soccer clubs to obtain talent because that's where people who are highly athletic mm-hmm. want to be playing. In the U.S., soccer is like usually number four or five, yeah. right? So I believe that argument less and less um, as the years go by, but it is a reality that the top athletes, for the most part, don't go into playing soccer because if you want, if you're that competitive and that athletic and that good, and you see athletics as something that's going to be like your career, you don't get paid a lot in soccer um, for me, for for mm-hmm. men's and especially for women's. Um, you don't make a top salary. And if you're looking at like multi millions of dollars for basketball or baseball or football or something else, mm-hmm. and looking at maybe six figures for soccer you're Mm -hmm. like well obviously i'm not going to be choosing that so i think that's definitely a big deterrent for like just recruit from a recruiting standpoint Mm -hmm. the other one that's a big drawback is like youth programs for soccer are not the same that they are overseas especially in europe they take they take training camps very seriously um and in the u.s it's like uh hey you've got a five-year-old let's go kick the ball around for like an hour right but in europe it's like let's do drills let's do training let's get them like prepared let's teach them about the game Mm -hmm. it's it's much more of a, a process and a more um wrap around one as opposed to just like a passing time. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's, those are two, I think real big deterrents for why the men especially have been sort of a drawback. Um, but, and it's interesting because the same situation is for the women yeah, too, right? They've so excelled, they, right. but they've excelled, right? So there's obviously something that's, that's going on um, that that's different. I think, you know, comparatively pay amongst women's sports is, just across the board, significantly less than men. So maybe that's not as much of a deterrent. Um, but you know, I'm not really, not really sure. Um, but the women have found a way to, to really come together. And I think that that is the difference between when I, as a fan, what I'm watching the, the women play and the men play, I find myself far more frustrated watching the men play because there's just a total lack of cohesion, right? There's no sense of camaraderie. There's no sense of team. It does feel a lot like watching 11 individuals play a game. Mm-hmm. Um, and a, a comparison that I give is Real Madrid back in like the 90s, early 2000s, um, Real Madrid from Spain, one of the top top teams usually consistently always. And they had like Beckham, Zidane, they had some of the best players mm-hmm. to ever play the game. And they weren't that good um, because they could not find a way to play together. Mm-hmm. And that's the biggest difference that I see between the men and the women. The women have very clearly been able to. And you watch them play, and it's, you're watching a unit, a very efficient unit play soccer. When you watch the men, it's not the same. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I think Christian, again, this is speculation, but I think Christian puts a lot of pressure on himself to like be the guy. Um, and I think you see a lot of that in men's sports, like this hero ball mm-hmm. mentality. Like I have to be the guy to, mm-hmm. to lead. And I don't think you see the same thing within women's sports. It's much more centered around like we as a collective unit need to work towards a unified goal. Mm-hmm. And I don't, th- I don't see the same thing, um, for men's. That's sort of my, my, my overall take on that. Yeah, no, it's interesting. And I think, you know, for when I feel, when I look at soccer, you know, I think there is, I think there's. The, the independent leagues versus the national stage, right? I think those are two different things in mm-hmm. terms of like payment and stuff like that. Yep. And then there's salary versus endorsements. And I think a lot of this stuff is dictated by, um, you know, it, it's a capitalist society, right? Mm-hmm. It's a capitalist system. And so 
the bigger market is going to lead to the bigger payments. That's usually what happens. Now, you could argue from a, a uh, country perspective, you know, a, a U.S. national team perspective, that maybe just like the Olympics, that maybe they should be paying all athletes that participate for the country the same. Yeah. I would actually agree with that because I, I think it's, you're representing a country. It's just different. Mm-hmm. Whereas when you look at, you know, individual markets, what they get paid is determined like everything else by what the market is, right? Mm-hmm. What is the market there for that product? And a lot of people are uncomfortable with the whole uh, athlete as product kind of reality, but it is a reality. And I think we have to wake up and just accept it. Like, is it the right way to do it? I don't know. Is ca- capitalism the right, the best system? That's a whole different conversation. Right? <laughs> I'm sure we could set up a time yeah. to discuss that. I'm not an expert on capitalism mm-hmm. versus other forms of, of you know, uh, economic development or, or government or things like that. Right. So I don't know. Um, but that's neither here nor there. The reality is that's the system we live in. And as long as it is, and people are paying to see things on TV, then it's driven by what the market is. Mm-hmm. Is the market for women's soccer the same as market for men's soccer? No. Mm-hmm. The answer to that is no. I, now, look, to me, I think it depends on what sport you're looking at, because I don't think this is the same across the board. I'm not saying at all that I prefer to watch men's sports over women's sports unanimously, because it's not the case. Mm-hmm. There are a lot of women's sports I, th- I find more entertaining, and I would pay more money to watch them. Uh, tennis, I would I would say, is about equal to me. Mm-hmm. Um, gymnastics, rather watch women. Mm-hmm. Uh, swimming, I think, is kind of equal to me. Um, trying to think of other sports, like there, a lot of them are. We either prefer to watch women, or I think it's even. Yeah. But there are some sports where, and I, I don't think it has anything to do with gender. I think it has to do with who is putting the best product on the field or the court or whatever. And then if they happen to be men, they have to be men. If they happen to be women, they happen to be women. I don't think that's really uh, all that. Um, relevant i think it's just who's going to put the best product on the on the the court of the field or the ice or whatever and i'll give an example like for basketball i i don't want to watch the g league and it's not because like i dislike those players Mm -hmm. or they're you know it doesn't matter if they're men or or women it's because they're not putting the best product on the court right i want to watch nba players because they're playing at the highest level and they're doing things physically that no one else is doing. Mm-hmm. And to me, that is what I want to see as a consumer. I want to pay big money to see that. Yep. I don't care about the G League. I don't really care about the WNBA. It's not because I don't like those people or because I hate women. It's because I like the product that's on the court for the NBA better. Mm-hmm. To me, that's that's a higher level product. I think it's the same with football. You know, I think there, there's a reference point where the top level competition is so obviously above everybody else on the planet that it's it's you're going to be drawn to want to watch that in my opinion Mm -hmm. there are other sports where the top competition isn't as obvious and so i think it's it can be across the board does that make sense yeah yeah so for me i think a lot of times if the you know the u.s women's soccer for instance to me if you're playing for your country and you decide to pay the women less than the men that to me is a slippery slope that goes down sexism roots or things like that but in terms of lebron james making more money than sue bird I'm sorry. It's not because Sue Bird's a woman. It's because she's not LeBron James, and nobody is, right? Mm-hmm. The G League players aren't LeBron James, and they're guys. It has nothing to do with the gender. It has to do with who is the person that can do what LeBron James can do on the court because that's the person that's going to earn the most money and the most endorsements and everything else, right? in my opinion. Yep. Um, I don't think that's a sexist position, in my mm-hmm. opinion. I think it's just about wanting to see the best, the best people, regardless of gender, play a certain sport. And knowing when you see it, what the top level of competition is. Mm-hmm. Uh, what do you think about that? Yeah, I think you bring two points. I think there's definitely multiple sports. I, I would add track and field to the list that I I, exactly. I, yep. I actually sometimes I prefer watching female um, athletes yep. run because Great I think example. what they're asking to do is is really challenging. Um, so I'd say track and field, swimming, um, even gymnastics. Sometimes like watching guys do the rings thing, I don't quite understand how that's 
physically possible. <laughs> um, so there, there's definitely sports like that. And actually, too, with, with soccer, I actually prefer watching the females, um, mm-hmm. the women's team, because I just, for me, it's a better product of soccer. Over right? the men's team or over, over the, the men's best, team? The best men's team globally? No, not over the best teams okay, globally. So that's what I'm right? talking about. So, yeah, yeah. yeah, I would say, like, product wise, I prefer watching men's sort of. Soccer in men's general. soccer in yep. general because the product, as you said, is 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 definitely better in terms of the but delineation US between team U.S. Wise, national teams. Women, I prefer same. watching the women's. Yep. Yep. Um, I think you bring a good point. I think w- the, the difference between Subert and LeBron is LeBron not only brings uh, you know that level of competition and talent, but also he's bringing in significant amount of money to the league, right? So you said like there is a, com- a capitalistic component to, to this, right? That we can't just ignore um he's making the league millions and millions of dollars um and i don't know if that's the same you know same situation for that so i think that that's definitely something that 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 comes into play um that it's just i don't see it as the same i don't see it as sexist i just see it as reality of markets and how and how things are played out it's just capitalistic that you can guarantee more people are probably going to be watching LeBron than Sue Bird. And because of that, you can pump ads and make more money that way. And it, it, yeah. it, it's, it's all dictated by that. And I agree. Athletes as products is just the world we live in right now, um, whether you agree with it or not. And him, LeBron as a product makes more money than the product of Sue Bird. And that's just a reality. Um, and it, it's hard. And, you know, I don't necessarily think I have the answers to like, how do we go about doing this? Um, it can come to just, you know, training facilities or opportunities or, and things like that. We can try different pieces, but ultimately I think that's, at least right now, that's just the reality that we live in. Yeah, I think he's the best human with a basketball, right? Right. Uh, and if, if there's a, a woman who's the best uh, human with something else, they're going to, uh, you know, right. uh, guarantee the most money or right. uh, dictate the most money when it comes to that stuff. Yeah. I think there's a big difference between – you know, when we look at markets and we look at uh, capitalism and what people deserve based on their abilities, I think there's a big difference between like looking at that as, as sexist versus looking at opportunity as sexist. I think if people, if women are not given the same opportunity in any kind of realm of sports, to me, that's where the sexism comes in. I think that relates to like Title IX and how that was created. I think um, to give a quick rundown, it was a Title IX is a federal civil civil rights law in the United States of America that was passed as part of the Education Amendments of 1972. It prohibits sex-based discrimination in any school or other education program that receives federal money. So this was big because it it led to I think I wouldn't say it's perfect yet. Still, there's there's some there's some areas where this is not yeah. backed up, right? It doesn't yeah. the follow through doesn't uh, line up with what the law is. Um, but what it it has helped with and still some ways to go is to provide the same access to opportunity and facilities and things like that. Still nowhere near. I mean, there was an example, I can't remember if it was the Olympics or something else. I think it was pretty recent where they showed the, the I think, I want to say it was the U.S. team. They showed the facilities that the U.S. men's team for something was given uh, when they got to this place to mm-hmm. prepare, right? The weightlifting and things like that. And it was like this state-of-the-art gym, like mm-hmm. unbelievable. And then they showed the women's example, and it was like, you know, a, a bow flex and a, mm-hmm. you know, a, a, a pad to do yoga on or something mm-hmm. in the corner of the same gym, like same size gym with nothing else. And it just was, and it went viral on social media. And it was very obvious. Like this is an example of like where like they're not given the same opportunity. No. That is sexist. Like yeah. you have to provide them, particularly when it's through the, through the country, you know, you have to provide them with the same opportunity and the same equipment and the same access to facilities and things like that. If that's not happening to me, that's definitely sexist. 
Um, but what do you think about about that distinction? Yeah, I think I think that's I mean that's a perfect example, perfect snapshot of what we probably see across the country, right? Mm-hmm. Of you know even on the even on the world stage, right? It's not equal, yeah. right? And they're supposed to be given everyone's supposed to be given equal opportunities for those um, for all those things, both opportunity, but training capacities and all of those things are supposed to be given that and clear example of that. So if it's happening on the the world level, our our top athletes, right? Think about that. Our top athletes in the entire country are not being treated equally you better believe that that's happening everywhere else in the country and you know places are looking for how to trim budgets or how to make ends meet and this is probably a place to be able to do that of like we're giving equal opportunity whatever that warped vision actually looks like you can almost guarantee it's not equal almost almost positive across across the board both training facilities and things like that definitely not and i would i would I would bet that a D1 football powerhouse like Oregon's training facility for the men is probably different than the female training facility for any other sport at that school. Mm-hmm. Guaranteed, right? Oh, yeah. Guaranteed. And I, and I think that that is happening from the top all the way to the bottom. Well, and there's, you know, I would, I would draw one distinction or a one element that, that relates, and it's, it's federal it's facilities that are given access to federal funds. Mm-hmm. And so I don't know how that relates to, like, D1 football schools in terms of whether they accept federal dollars. I don't think they do. Maybe yeah, they do. I don't Maybe know. They, do, they probably do for, um, you know, student loan aid or student aid or, mm-hmm. or um, financial aid for students, that kind of thing. Yeah. So maybe, I don't know if it crosses um, Not sure. that line, if it's, like, yeah. academic versus sports. Um, but, I mean... Look, there's there's pro stuff, and then what we've talked about recently, we haven't really got into it actually on the podcast, but you know I have had discussions about th- them um, sort of changing the rules when it comes to paying college athletes who are performing at the highest level. So even that that level is going into sort of the pro realm. Everything aside from like D1 sports and pro sports, I think is totally separate from the whole market uh, mm-hmm. capitalism argument because it's about like giving people equal access to opportunity at a level where, where the, the market nature of it doesn't factor in. Like, no, we're not paying to go see an eighth grade play, eighth grader play sports, male or female, right? Mm-hmm. We're not doing that. We're, we're, so they should be given the same opportunity regardless because market you know free market economy does not relate to that at all. So mm-hmm. it should be about, hey, they're going to the same school. They should get the same opportunity. Once you get into the pro level, then it's a little bit different because you, you know, you're, you're guided by how much revenue is coming in, by yeah. what fans pay, and that dictates what they want to invest in facilities to get their players to get better. Right. So I think there's a, there's a line there, but I, I agree with you because what happens is it, the line doesn't actually hold. The boundary doesn't no. hold. No. That shit, that's, excuse my language, but that starts up at the pro level or D1 level permeates into the, uh, all the, the, way down. the youth sports level mm-hmm. and does reflect all the way down what opportunities and facilities and fields they're given access to and things like that. And that's mm-hmm. where it should, that should never happen. Yep. Um, so hopefully, you know, I know Title IX definitely, I think from what I've read, has, has helped things overall. Yeah. yeah. Still a ways to go, maybe not enough, right? Yeah, I think it's well-intentioned, but yeah. the execution needs a lot more. Exactly, exactly. Um, and you could argue, look, in terms of like us talking about which is the best product on the quarter field, you could argue that because Title IX took so long and because that stuff still permeates into youth sports, that they are behind. There's no chance. Correct. Like they haven't had as long of a a tailwind of opportunity to use the same facilities and get to the same level of performance to catch up. Yep. Uh, And I wouldn't rule that out from being true. No, I agree Um, with that. Where if you went back in time and provide the exact same opportunity starting in the 30s or whatever, where would, you know, the WNBA be now? Or where would something else be now comparison to uh, to Le- a LeBron or something like that, mm-hmm. maybe it would be the same. I don't mm-hmm. know that. Um, so it's an interesting thing to think about. But um, any other thoughts on that? No. 
I think that's it for today. Um, we want to thank everyone for tuning in and encourage everyone to check us out on YouTube and hit subscribe if you can. I think we're at a whopping 117, uh, 117 subscribers. Let's go. Ready to just take over the world. Yep. Um, we put all the helpful information and links we described today in the show notes. I want to thank everyone for listening to this episode of the Grim Drive podcast for our discussion about pro sports and salary. We'll be back next week. Thanks, everyone.